Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be now, just how good does a golden shield do in battle when you think about it? Gold is very heavy and very soft, so it would be hard for a soldier to carry it, and if somebody struck him, well, the shield's going to bend because it's made out of gold. It's not going to do that much good. It's not going to offer that much protection. So you're wondering why were these shields made in the first place then? I would say these shields were made pretty much for showing off. The law said that kings were not supposed to accumulate gold for themselves. And Solomon did that for showing off. So this is when Solomon started falling away from the Lord God, when these shields were made. Now, there came a time when God called Israel to repentance, and Israel refused to turn back to him. And so it says in Isaiah 22, verse 8, he removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You see, Israel refused to repent of their sin, and so God sent an an enemy against them for judgment. But rather than call upon their God for help, Israel called upon their golden shields in the armory of the house of the forest of Lebanon. And so now here in 1 Kings 14, here comes Shishak, and he took the golden shields away, showing that God took away the very things that they trusted above him. Their little show-off items that took priority over the Lord are now gone. 1 Kings 14.27 Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard, who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried them, then brought them back into the guard room. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus. Then Abijam, his son, reigned in his place. So those fancy golden shields had to be replaced with bronze ones. Bronze shields, they were very less impressive material. Now, this tells me a lot here. The fact that Rehoboam was still king after Shishak came means that Shishak did not take the nation itself for Egypt. What Shishak did was he took away a lot of the treasures of the temple away and from the king's house, but it also tells me Shishak failed to conquer the land itself. Now, God still had plans for Israel. That's why he couldn't get away with it. And so this means that Rehoboam was forced to pay Shishak. I think that's how Shishak got away with all the treasures, because 
Rehoboam knew he couldn't win, so he paid him off with all these treasures. It means that the Lord humbled Rehoboam down. He got humbled down. Do you remember when Rehoboam first became king? And everybody came to him and said, hey, your father Solomon made our workloads very heavy on us. Would you please lighten the load? And he got this big attitude because he listened to all his little brothers. The bro code took over. He didn't listen to the good advisors of Solomon. He said, I'm going to make your work heavier than it's ever been. I'm going to work you guys to death. Remember that? I'm going to get more out of you than I was. Well, now he had to give it all up. The very guy that said, no, I'm going to milk you for all I can get. He now had to give all his treasures up. You see how the Lord humbled him. God executed judgment on the wicked. Rehoboam got his, as did Jeroboam. Also, when you look at 2 Chronicles 13, we get a little bit more information about exactly how Jeroboam died, since we're talking about being humbled here. It it tells us that when Jeroboam kept waging war with Judah, he carried that war on through King Rehoboam's son, Abijah. Look at this. 2 Chronicles 13, 19. Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took from him the towns of Bethel, Jeshana, and Ephron with their surrounding villages. Jeroboam did not regain power during the time of Abijah, and the Lord struck him down, and he died. So we've read already today that Rehoboam had a lot taken away from him, but as for Jeroboam, check this out. God let him live long enough to see the town of Bethel be taken away from him. Why is this important? Because Bethel is the town where Jeroboam insisted and persisted to sacrifice golden calves, even though he was warned to stop it. That happened in Bethel. And so Jeroboam, the troublemaker, he warred with Judah, and Jeroboam's place of worship was taken away from him. And the Lord let him see that happen before he struck him down. All those who hold themselves high in this story, they're all brought down by the Lord God. Now, in review of this chapter, we need to recognize one important thing that God did. He used David as a standard to measure everybody else against. He told Jeroboam, he said, you did not act like my servant David. You know, God also has a standard for us as well. Ephesians 4.13, we do our work till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, Jesus Christ is our standard. You know, he showed Jeroboam, you did not behave like David did. You didn't do like my guy. And now our standard is Jesus. Christians, we need to be doing as Jesus did. We need to forgive the unforgivable, like Jesus did. We need to love the unlovable, like Jesus did. He's our standard. We have to be like him. I want you to understand that God never called you to be like a Christian. He called you to be like Christ, because Christians mess up. Jesus does not. Hold yourself to the better standard. Never base your walk with God upon what other believers do. Don't base how you should do according to what they do. For all you know, they could be doing some sinful thing, and if you just copy them, you're sinning with them. That's what the Lord is mad about with Rehoboam and Jeroboam. They did one thing, and so all Israel did it. They're all following what the king did, and they all fell into sin. God is trying to say, I gave you a standard. 
follow that standard. Don't just do what everybody else does. If you back off from Jesus as your standard, then what you do is you will set up other people as your idols. And then when you do that, when you trade Jesus for other things, other people or other whatever, then you just fell for the sin of Jeroboam. You fell for a false god distraction that was designed to keep you from worshiping God the way God wants to be worshiped. Remember the problem with this story in the first place. Jeroboam made these other altars to keep people from going to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship God the way he wanted to be worshiped. It was a distraction. Look over here. You don't need to go do that temple thing. When you allow other things to become the object standard of your worship, then God will take them away. We saw a lot get taken away today. Jeroboam put his own kingdom before the kingdom of God. God took his dynasty away. God's taking his family away. Even Israel, they got to the point where they trusted in their armory, their beloved golden shields and all their weapons more than they trusted in God for their protection. And so God took their little golden shields away, took their treasures away too. Their wealth is gone. And God did this through Shishak and other kings, other rulers who would come and shake them. Shishak came and took everything away. God told Israel, I'm going to send you a king. He's going to shake all of you up with instability. These are leaders that God was going to install whose very intention was to bring judgment on a sinful nation. And you know, guys, you can't lie to God. You can't trick him. You can't say, oh, but God, I really do trust you. Just, yet you're, you're going after all this money and all this gold and all these other things. Even, gosh, when you have a headache, do you ever go to the medicine cabinet and pop a Tylenol and you never even pray to God about it? I'm not saying Tylenol's bad, but did you at least pray on your way to the, the medicine cabinet? Did you totally take God out of the out of the picture? Put it this way, if Jeroboam's wife could not fool a blind man, Ahijah, then you can't fool God into thinking that you're really trusting in him when you're actually not. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, most people, they love the world more. They love their money. You know, I've even seen people base all their joy on whether they were in a relationship or not, whether they had somebody. Now, I'm not knocking single people. I was single for a long time. Got a lot of great single friends. Please don't misunderstand me. But the idol of self, the idol of I got to have this or I got to have that or I want money or whatever it is, the me first, my way, not God's way. And I even see people justified their over-spiritualization. Well, doesn't God want me to have the things that makes me happy? No, God wants to be the one who makes you happy, Without even if you have nothing. How come your happiness is not in God? How come God has to give you an item for you to be happy, and your happiness is not actually in God himself? God said that this kind of false god idol worship stuff, it provokes him to anger, and he also said it provokes his jealousy because it causes people to turn away from him. Now, I know at first this word jealousy here sounds like it's a bad word, but there is such thing as righteous jealousy. Let me put it to you this way. My wife, if any other man tries to take my wife or put his hands on her in any fashion, whatever, then I have a righteous jealousy 
that stirs up my wrath because she belongs to me. By covenant, by marriage, holy matrimony, she is mine. She belongs to me. And nobody else is to put their hands on her. She's mine. That's my righteous jealousy. Now, Israel is God's own people by covenant. It's, that's his, his covenant people. They were not supposed to be throwing themselves at others. They were supposed to be the Lord gods. They were not supposed to give themselves to Jeroboam's false gods. Now, whenever my wife needs my protection, she's supposed to call on me. Israel, when they needed protection, they called on their armory. They didn't call on God. You see the jealousy factor here that jealousy can be righteous? Israel was supposed to call on God, and they got to where they didn't. And so Jeroboam, he was the cause of their false god worship. He was causing them to do all this stuff. He lost his family because he was the guy, the enabler that started all the mess in the first place. He lost his family, his sons. He even lost his throne, and it would all come to an end. Game over. But the Lord God has an eternal family. He has an eternal son. And this eternal son of his will reign over an eternal kingdom, and none of what God establishes will ever come to an end. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Friends, God's kingdom is never going to end. His son is never going to die. He's going to live forever, and we can live forever with him because of what he's offered us through his sacrifice at the cross. It's never going to end. There's never going to be an expiration date. It's, it's not like God says, you get sin, you're going to live with me for 100 billion years, and it's going to be over because 100 billion years will end, and that would be a terrible end when we actually got there. It's never going to end. It's forever. I mean, uh, friends, I'm trying to tell you the gospel message of this greatest thing that there is, the salvation in Jesus, it never ends. It goes on forever. But this false God worship, this kind of behavior that we have all sinned, even even me, guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk like I'm better than you. I sinned. I have sinned myself. This behavior provokes God to anger. But what's amazing is that he made a salvation covenant with us, even though he knew we were going to do this, just like he made a covenant with Israel, even though he knew beforehand that they were going to give themselves to these false gods. But friends, God knew this about our sin. He already factored our sin into the equation, and that's why he already he had already planned to send Jesus Christ even before we ever existed. He already knew ahead of time. God already had our sin plugged into the salvation work that he sent Jesus to do. He wanted to work things out to where we could all live with him forever. You know, God's patience with us, it's absolutely immeasurable. His grace is beyond our capacity to think about. I can't even explain it in words, and you hear me trying to do it. It's just too big. And just like Jeroboam was given a great offer, and he he blew it, okay? But he was given a great offer. God said, if you do what I'm telling you to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on. Uh, friends, I want you to understand that you too have, given a, have been given a great offer by God, an offer that extends well on in through eternity. Just don't blow it. 
Don't blow it like Jeroboam did. Being a willful, deliberate sinner, God-hater, says, no, I don't want any of this because the day's going to come up when God takes everything away, and are you going to be left with nothing or are you going to be under covenant? You saw the difference in Jeroboam. Jeroboam was going to end. God says, Israel, I'm going to give you up for a while, but God had covenant with Israel. He could not let go of them completely. He had promises to make through them. Friends, that's the kind of covenant you want to get under. Even though you're going to mess up sometime, God may have to turn you over to a little consequence, but get under covenant and you'll be with God in eternal life. It's great. And so God had to bring Jeroboam down. He had his chance and he blew it. He was a God hater and he rejected it. God had to bring him down. You're going down. But you know, friends, it's better to lower yourself down before God than to resist God and have God bring you down instead. It's better for you to get down on your own, willfully, by your own free will decision, than to have God bring you down against your will. Now, most people today, they trust in their figurative golden shields, the big money that they think is going to protect them. They think, well, they're so rich and they're so powerful. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm still okay. Yet God brought down a big, bad, tough Jeroboam even after a 22-year reign. Not even big, tough Jeroboam could resist what God was going to do to him. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Friends, I know we have hard times out there today, but in light of the story, we have to consider the sin of our nation that's going on right now. Let's be honest, our nation is sinning very badly. Abortion is one of those sins that this nation just will not let go of. Just for example, it's a bad one. It provokes God's wrath. I'm I'm not talking politically. I'm not talking along party lines. I'm strictly speaking about the Word of God. America is a nation that refuses to repent. It just will not do it. And so who are we to think that all the political confusion that we have going on today is is not coming from a government leadership that God himself has installed over us to shake us like a reed in the water, just like he told Israel, I'm going to send a king that's going to shake you up. Who are we to think that God wouldn't do that to us when God did it to his own people, Israel. The reason God would send instability and stupid leadership, bad leadership to shake everything and shake everybody up, even like what's going on right now, the, 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 the reason for this, the purpose, is for getting this nation to repent and turn back. Friends, God is shaking everything. I know you're looking at the leadership and go, oh, those idiots up there, in leadership. Why don't they just do this? It doesn't make sense. Well, no, it doesn't make sense because they're there to shake us. They're sent by God. Friends, you've got to understand Daniel 2.21 says, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. This means that God puts leaders in and he takes them out. He puts them in either for judgment or for righteousness, depends on what God wants to do. God sets the leaders up. Now, I know it's hard to swallow the fact that God puts leaders in office, leaders that sometimes we just simply do not like, but they are there for judgment 
or for righteousness to either heal a nation or to shake a nation by God's power, depending on what God wants. Remember, King Saul, he was put in as king over Israel as a judgment against Israel. But then God put in King David and King Solomon became king because of God's purpose of righteousness. God sets whoever he wants, depending on what he needs to put on that nation for judgment or for healing. Now, friends, I want us to remember that Jeroboam's place of worship was taken away from him before the Lord struck him down. Friend, whatever you put above God, even your politics, your money, whatever, whatever you put above God and whatever you trust in more than God, you're going to lose. I want to. I want you to look at it this way. You're going down no matter what. One way or the other, you are going down. Either you're going to humble yourself willfully, or else the Lord God is going to make you humble down, whether you like it or not. Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, this means everybody is going to bow a knee. They're going to bow their knee. Everybody's going to do it. Do you realize this means even Satan? Because it said even everybody under. Okay, everybody is going to bow. And when Satan does it, it's going to be against his will. He's not going to like it one bit. But you rest assured by God's word, he is going to do it. He's going to do it. Either you will bow to Jesus willfully on your own or you will be shoved down against your will, and you will be forced to do it anyway. You are not stronger than God. You haven't been. You never will be. I just pray that you learn to bow the knee to Jesus because he wants to give you so much great, wonderful blessing, eternal life itself. King Jesus is coming. I just pray that you bow your knee before him on the side of repentance and thankfulness and not on the side of hatred and anger. He's coming. Jesus is coming. Get ready. He's coming to rule on his throne in Jerusalem, the place where God has chosen to place his name. Pray with me. Father God, I have sinned and I'm sorry. I deserve penalty. I deserve eternal condemnation. But thank you for dying on the cross in my place so that I could be saved. I bow my knee, and I declare you Lord. When I bow the knee, that means I submit to your authority. That means I'm no longer going to do things my way, but I will do things your way. Forgive me of the false idols I've set up in my life, Lord. Teach me which ones they are. Show me what to get rid of before you take it away from me, Lord God. I would rather take everything I have and give it to you in service to your kingdom then have you just take it from me. Lord, everything I have is yours, my body, my life, my heart, my strength, my will, my soul. Even my speech, Lord God, is all yours taken and use it for your glory. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set